guys, I'm just really excited about these kids today. They prepared the communion. They prepared the teachings. And uh, we weren't, like, um, looking over their shoulder and making sure they're doing it right because we just, we trust them. We, we trust that they're seeking after Jesus and they're looking into his word and they're understanding it for themselves because anybody can understand the word. God made it for us. God will speak to us. Um, so before we even have our first teacher come up here, um, if you see a young person around you, you can extend your hands to them. I'm going to read right out of uh, the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah says this. Uh, we're going to just declare these verses over the, the young people. The Lord gave me this message. That's Jeremiah speaking about what the Lord is saying. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And do not be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. All right. So now, I guess real quick announcement. If you're, if you're a regular attender here and you want to give to the offering at any point, there's things here and in the back. You can just do it whenever, later, after the service, I guess. So um, I'd like to introduce Alan March, if you want to come up. And uh, I want to say something about Alan real quick. So I hope this is okay to share. Last week I said, Alan, are, are you ready for your teaching? Are you nervous? He's like, no, I decided a while ago that I'm just not going to be nervous about things or anxious because what's the point? <laughs> Which is awesome. I, I'm like, dude, I don't have that button. I wasn't given that button. But while I am not like that, I do very much admire that about him. He's very concrete, thinks about things deeply, and really appreciate you. Thank you very much. All right. So I'm going to be talking about John, which is my favorite book of the Bible. It's my favorite because I really like the way John approaches telling the story of Jesus. And I like the wording that's used. It's kind of mysterious sometimes. And it's just really cool. So. John is a little bit different from the other Gospels. It was written later, almost 30 years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So, different time. It was written for a different audience, and it served a different purpose. Um, John focuses more on what Jesus said than what he did, more on his quotes than on his actions. All the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all present Jesus in a different way. They present him, well, Matthew presents him as the king, king of the universe. Mark presents him as a servant. Luke presents him as a man. John presents Jesus as God, which is really awesome because he is God. Um, throughout the book of John, he keeps always coming back to the theme, Jesus is God. Um, 
So some Gospels will start with the genealogy of Jesus. Like if it's Christmas time, you're going to read Matthew, read the story of Jesus, his birth in Bethlehem. You have to read this whole long page of who begot who all the way down to Jesus. John starts differently, though. He starts at the beginning, the very beginning. John 1 starts, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This is really awesome and really confusing. (laughs) So, at first glance... Um, John talks about this word. Um, It sounds like this word could be the Bible or like, you know, God's word to his people. But it goes on to call the word he. So it's a person. And it's safe to assume that this person is Jesus. So let's look at the word, word. Calls him the word. Um, whenever something in the Bible is confusing or it doesn't make sense, everyone's always, well, got to pull out the Greek. What's the Greek say? <laughs> um, so that's what I'm going to do. Um, the word used here is logos in Greek. It means define, or excuse me, divine reason. Um, Greek philosophers said that this means the essence or reason that gives meaning to the universe, which is really deep, and I'm not a Greek philosopher, so. (laughs) Anyway, so it basically means the point of creation, the meaning of creation. So, um, continuing in John, John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's really cool if you read the beginning of John compare it to the beginning of Genesis. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John 1.1 starts with, In the beginning. So I think John was trying to have his own little mini Genesis in the beginning. as his intro. Um, Genesis 1.2, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So John, in the beginning, talks about the beginning, light, and darkness. Genesis, in the beginning, talks about the beginning, light, and darkness. Um, In John, this darkness... It says, the darkness does not overcome the light. 
That's what it says in my version. I've read other versions that say the darkness has, it does not comprehend the light, which I think is a much better word because it means, means a lot more. It means it doesn't understand the light. It doesn't get the light. It doesn't feel the light. The sin nature of humans that began with the fall creates this darkness which can't comprehend the light. It, you can't fully understand the light if you have this darkness. John 3.19 says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. So we need to come to Jesus, let him wash us clean, so we can understand his divine truth. That was awesome. That was deep, dude. Feeling it. Amazing. So something else that's really cool about these is they all got to pick, all the three teachers got to pick whatever they're going to talk about. And uh, you'll see by the end of these that all three of them tie together. And, uh, you know, no coincidence here. God was putting a message in each of their hearts and their minds. Now, since you know this and it's proven because they didn't even plan this and it all ties together, I think that's a message to pay special attention because this really is the words of God coming through human flesh. So, I mean, as faulty as we are, but that was awesome. So, all right, next we're going to have a Liel Gonda come up. Liel, come here. Liel is, um, she's very confident. She's a very confident person, and she's just ready to, like, tackle anything. And uh, so she, she took this, and she's going for it. So I'm excited. She's what? Hey, she's our youngest youth. I didn't know that fact. Awesome. Um, good morning, everyone. Today, today I'm going to teach about the sword of the Spirit. Ephesians 6, 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. When the enemy tries to attack you, God is not going to leave you defenseless. He has given us a weapon to use, which is the sword of the Spirit. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both joints, and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. God's word is our defense. The enemy hates God's word because it's the truth, and the enemy is against the truth. When you are in battle, God has given you a sword to use, but don't keep the sheath on it. So what does it mean to keep the sheath on the sword? It's like carrying around a Bible, but, don't, but not reading it. Or when I make up a dance and I don't know it. Or I do know it and I don't practice it. And when it comes to the performance, it turns out not so good. So God wants us to take the sheath off and let the sword pierce our heart. When the enemy attacks you with sickness, God's word is much more powerful than any medicine. 
If you don't know what to pray, speak God's word and use the sword of the spirit and fight in the battle and win. The sword of the spirit is a part of our daily armor, like your daily prayer, or like the vision that Ellie got a few weeks ago of the daily bread where God was cutting it and getting ready to serve to us. The word, the sword of the spirit is a gift from God. It's not just like a little kid's teaching, or not just a little kid's teaching. If the kids are the only ones learning about the sword of the spirit, then they will be the strong ones. God takes the sword of the spirit very seriously. It is his gift to us. You can use the sword of the spirit for many different things. If you are struggling with fear, God has given you a sword to use. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Sometimes God might send someone else with the sword to help you fight in your battle. After all, God said that if one person's prayer is very strong, then imagine two people praying. In Luke 4, 1 through 13, the devil kept tempting Jesus. But when Jesus was tempted, he used the sword of the Spirit and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. And also, it is written, when you, re, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him. The third time he said, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to a test, and he defeated the devil. When I was making this teaching, I was asking God for more to put in this teaching. A couple of nights later, I went to Ellie's house, and we had a really cool breakthrough prayer. And Ellie's actually going to come up here and tell you guys about it. So when we were over uh, at my house, we decided to play some worship music. And when we did, we started praying. And suddenly we got these words from God, and we felt the presence so strong that we started praying in tongues, which we have never done before. And we just suddenly started doing it, and we felt the presence. And then we started weeping and crying because we totally felt his presence so so strongly, and it was just an amazing experience there worshiping together and praying in tongues. So after that, the next morning I woke up, and I had like a really bad stomach ache, and I thought it was just cramps, but then it got worse and I started throwing up. Um, I thought it was a stomach bug, but then a little while later my mom came in, and she said that I was going through spiritual warfare. So then I took out my Bible and I started reading Psalms. And in five minutes, I felt completely better. And I realized that God had allowed me to get sick so I could use the sword of the spirit or, and show how I used it. Ah, man, these kids are amazing. They, I hope these guys are inspiring you to go further. Um, I, I never did that when I was their age. I wasn't like, hey, Jimmy, let's uh, put on some worship music and seek after the Lord. And What the heck? <laughs> this is amazing, yo. They're going to bring revival to this place. I love it. Using, unsheathing that sword, using that, the word of God. The absolute truth. All right. Our, our final teacher today, we have Sadie. Sadie is really awesome. She's really genuine. And she's really brave. Brave is the main thing I want to say about her today because 
Um, you know, she admitted she was very nervous, which is very normal uh, to come up here and do this. And she, she's going for it anyway, regardless of her nerves. So I'm proud of you. Take it away. Good morning. Today I'm teaching on the power of the tongue because it's really, I've been working on this in my own life. I've been trying to improve on it. So doing this teaching is really helping me improve on this. So I'm going to start with Proverbs 18:21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So the little things we say can impact people in such a great way, either in a bad way or a good way, but it can really impact people. We also need to, this also applies on how we speak, what we speak over ourselves. If we're speaking good or over ourselves or bad, it can really affect the way we think and feel and treat other people. So how can we speak life over other people? I have John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was except through him. So the word was there in the beginning. The word was with God, and God was with the word, and God never created anything unless he had the word. So if we, the word, it gives life and creation. So if we want to speak life over other people, we just need to speak the word over other people. Another way to speak life over other people is to get to know God's opinion on other people because he loves everyone so much and we're all his favorite one and he just loves us. So we just need to get to know his opinion so we can speak his word. We also need to be careful on what movies we watch and what music we listen to and what people we spend time with because what we're listening to can really affect the way we speak and the way we treat other people. All right, so I have Proverbs 12:18. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. So the tongue has the power of death and life. So when we speak negative to people or about people, or over them, then it can be as painful to them as being stabbed. So, but there's always health and life in the power when you're being positive and speaking positive over people and building them up. As I mentioned, you want to get to know God's opinion on them. Mike Bickle made an excellent example about using our tongues. He said that it's, it's not enough to just not poison a child. You have to nourish them and take care of them. It's, it's not enough to just not poison them. So that's the same with our tongues. It's not enough to just not speak negatively over other people. We have to be encouraging them and building them up. All right, so I have James 3, 3 through 10. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by the means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong, in the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for, it's, for it is set on fire by hell itself, or for it will burn in hell. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. 
It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, brothers and sisters, this is not right. So this also goes back to Proverbs 18.21, explaining how the tongue has the power of death and life. It can be used to praise God and bless others, or it can be used to set, it can be used as a spark to set a whole forest on fire. So we can't tame our tongues. We can't do it alone. We have to have God help us. He's the only one who can do it. So we need to ask him and pray about that. Amen. For a rudder on a ship, it can it can do its job, but only if the ship is moving. So you can spin the rudder 360 degrees, but it will not provide any direction unless the ship is moving. So as long as we are moving forward, then God can steer us in the right direction. We are, we are putting motion to our boat, then we can trust God to give us direction. Excellent. That last point was deep. I got to finish writing that down so I can ponder that. The rudder doesn't work unless we're moving forward. And then in which case it, it has all that power to direct the ship. That's amazing. All right. Do, do you guys see how these all tie together? Do you see the majesty of the word that was God, the expression of God himself, Jesus Christ, the glory of God. He's given us his word, number one. Number two, that word also known as the sword of the spirit, we can use as a defensive tool, as an offensive tool to take care of business in our own lives, to, to bring goodness to the world. To, it's just it's powerful. And then finally, um, the words, the words we speak, speaking the words of God over people, using that sword again. It's just this is God's message to us today. This is God's message to me. And I got to be careful with it because I, I felt convicted hearing these. But it's so cool that God gave the three of these people messages that all just work together to form one single message. That's, that's really, really cool.